Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and this time round, due to general popular demand on social media, I'm doing Asterix and Obelix. Let me explain why I'm doing this and why hopefully you're sitting there going, yeah, because a while ago, please check it out if you haven't listened to this one, I did a history of comics where I pointed out that they didn't start in America and there were lots of other countries with really healthy comic book pasts. And I talked a bit about France in that one. And of course, I had to talk about Asterix. And I made passing comments going, you know, I, I told a little bit about the background. Obviously, I'm going to go into more depth this time around. But I said at the time, I don't know how popular Asterix is if you want an episode about Asterix, then please do send send me messages. And I did. And I did pretty quickly as well. So for those of you who sort of bumped into me in social media, partitioned me, petitioned me would be a better word. Whatever. Thank you very much. It was it, you really put a smile on my face as you sort of told your stories and made various explanations. And a little shout out to Aaron, actually. Aaron, Aaron, not quite sure how to pronounce that where you gave me an additional bit of information that I'm absolutely going to put into this. I will credit you when we get there. So let's talk about Asterix then. As a bit of a refresher for those of you who haven't heard the other episode or you've forgotten it, which, yeah, that can happen. I'm not going to be offended, okay? Asterix and Obelix are two cartoon characters that are Gauls. They are basically from the Celtic family of cultures that spread all the way from Ireland, modern-day Ireland, all the way through to Anatolia, modern-day Turkey. There is this feeling nowadays that Celtic, in inverted commas, has to mean either Scottish or Irish, but basically because they ended up being on the very fringes of the Roman Empire, they were the ones who kind of kept their identity. The other Celtic tribes that were called various different things. The Iceni, for example, were in East Anglia in England. The Gauls is generally what they were called in France. So when the Romans were ruling what is modern-day France, they called it Gaul, because that's where the Gauls came from. Gauls are nothing but savages. They're savages. Bit more about the history of the history, if you like, later on. Let's get back to Asterix. If you know anything vaguely about the Roman Empire, you know that Julius Caesar made his name conquering Gaul. 
And there was a big showdown with this leader of the, the Gallic tribes called Vercingetorix. And that's important, that name ending in Ix in a minute, because that's how you get asterisks and obelisks, etc. And so the whole of France was conquered Gaul, as it was then called, and the Romans ruled it and did so for centuries. But the story behind asterisks and obelisks is, well, yes, Julius Caesar did all those things. There was a tiny little village, and actually an unnamed village on the coast of France, northern France, which basically gets surrounded by some Roman forts, and these brave Gauls continue fighting, and the leader of the... not the leader of the town, his name is Vital Statistics, and the bravest hero of all is Asterix with his best bud, Obelix, and it's their continuing adventures dealing with the Romans or indeed other historical civilizations, which is it's so vibrant and so wonderful. And actually for a lot of kids, it's the first time you kind of get to see a historical comic book, as it were. Now, they were created by, and apologies to Teresa who listens in and was somebody I was actually creating the history of comics for anyway. She's a proud French woman. The creators of Asterix and Obelix were René Goscinny and Albert Udizo. Now, I've probably butchered those names, but Udizo and Goscinny is how I've always said it in my head. I've never seen them interview because, of course, I can't speak French, so I'm not going to watch an interview which I can't really understand. I've seen pictures of them. They look very jolly. And for this, I've actually done a little background for them. So basically, these men grew up. They were boys, basically, during the German invasion of France. So it's that generation where they weren't old enough themselves to actually fight in the army or perhaps be part of the resistance. But various family members had either uh, either did fighting in World War Two or had fought. Um, you know, one of their parents uh, was actually wounded in World War One. So, if you like, that's that's the background. And as Teresa had pointed out, she said to me on Twitter, "Went, Jem, if you can't make a connection of this little Gallic army fighting against overwhelming odds of the Romans as a metaphor for France under occupation by Germany, come on, Jem, you got to do better." And do you know what? I'm going to be completely honest with you. Until you said that, that didn't occur to me. I just thought it was the French being resistant against any kind of invasion. The fact is that France is a... Most countries are very, very proud. I'm going to say France has a reputation of being one of the most proud slash arrogant countries in Europe. Don't believe me, Theresa. Ask anybody from any other country around you. France doesn't get a lot of love. We all admit, for the record, it is worth pointing out to the world that for head of population, you have created more world-class philosophers than anywhere else on planet Earth. Greece and China included in that one. So, bravo your Descartes and uh, all the other people as well. I don't know why I suddenly went to René Descartes, but uh, probably because of René Goscinny, but I digress. You have the best fashion. You have amazing food. Louis XIV was amazing. There are lots of things to love about France, not your cars. Sorry, Peugeot and uh, Citroën are not the world's best car manufacturers, and I will die on that hill. Sorry. But yeah, so there are lots of things to be proud about with France. France is very proud of its past, but it's had mistakes and errors and defeats as well. And uh, therefore, sort of rewriting the history of the Roman Empire being pushed back by the Gauls, I took it at face value. 
But I absolutely take the point, and it is obviously a very sad and traumatic part of France's past. So, yes, we've already got a bit of history referencing a different other part of history, and, you know, this is just one of the many things to love about Asterix and Obelix. There are a few things, however, I'm just going to put it out here now, there are a few things to not love about Asterix. It's a classic example of of its time. This is something that people say about a number of problematic things, and the really the only serious problematic thing, you can argue absolutely plays to stereotypes of various countries around the world, but I think most people kind of find that slightly amusing. When it's asterisks in Britain, for example, we're all seen as very buttoned down and kind of sort of tea-obsessed. That's actually part of the plot. Basically, Asterix brings tea to Britain, and we all love wearing bowler hats and things like that. So, you know, look, that is that a cliche? Yes. Could you argue that's racist? I guess. But it's all done with such humour and soft, light touch. I think you you have to be seriously humourless to not sort of put a smile on your face. Same thing for Spanish people, Corsicans, etc., whatever. However, the depiction of black characters in Asterix is, by modern standards, problematic. It is that classic cliché of the thick-lipped, bright red-lipped type black caricature, which is racist, to be honest. But I'm going to say this is a point where the English language doesn't quite... We've got all these different words, but sometimes we still don't have enough words, because we've only got one word for that, racist. It is a negative stereotype of a people. But in the world of racism, what I would say is I'm going to say that there are two distinct flavours. There's one of ignorance and there's one of venom and bile. And it's clear that Asterix is not the latter. If you are trying to say that there is another race out there that's inferior to you or you know, you're better than them for whatever reasons, just by birth and blood and all that kind of stuff, that is horrible and nasty and awful. But there is just sort of sometimes some ignorance. I'll give you an example. My American grandfather used to talk about Native Americans as Indians. And he didn't say it because he hated them or had any grievance, because that was the poor, inaccurate term for Native Americans, or indeed First Nations people, that existed when he was growing up in the the 40s and 30s. So that's not him being a bad person. He is a reflection of the time, and it's the same thing for Asterix. So for those people who want to turn around and say, bad Asterix, I think you're going way too far, but at the same time, maybe we could go back and redo those few cells with black characters in them. Saying that, though, they there isn't the same caricature if we're dealing with people from the Middle East. So I, I find that uh, sort of interesting. It's slightly problematic, but there you go. So I'm going to say the one thing that's a downside on Asterix. Now let's talk about all the, the good stuff, shall we? So the very first one, entitled Asterix the Ghoul, came out in 1959. Long time ago, predating the likes of Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the Hulk, all that stuff, which was the Silver Age, 1960s Marvel comics. So that's great stuff. And again, you want to know more about that and how it all sort of fits in together and have a listen to the episode about the history of comics. But it does show you that Asterix has been around longer than some of these household name superheroes but of course it was in french and the world does not speak french 
the, the most common second language in the world is English. So 59 French children around France and maybe a few other places, ex-colonies or whatever, 59, they've been kicked out of French Indochina, but they're still in Algeria. So there were some, may, presumably some French-speaking kids in Algeria who are enjoying Asterix. But it was in 1969 that you get the first translation into English. Indeed, most of the Asterix comics have now been translated into round about 20 different languages. And this is where it gets to a whole other level of awesome. Because the thing about Asterix is, as you know, Asterix is a bit of punctuation. It's that small star above a word, which means that you have to refer down to the bottom of the page. That was never the name of a ghoul. But because of Vercingetorix, the basic rule is anything ending in X you can get away with as a name for a ghoul, which allows plays on words. Now, these these obviously have their own versions in French, but they somebody had to translate and come up with something kind of similar that's still kind of a, a, a satirical name in English. So, for example, the druid who hands out the magic potion in English, he's called Getafix, which, if you slow it down, get a fix, as in get a bottle of special potion. So, yeah, that's really clever. Vital statistics, you know, the important uh, statistics, that's the leader. Then when you get to the English, or also Gauls, I mean, obviously English is the wrong word, Britons, it gets complicated. But then again, Asterix does play fairly fast and loose with its own history. Again, more on that in a bit. So you get somebody like value-added tax. So it's it's an, it's a vowel and an X at the end. But literally value-added tax, V-A-T. That is what somebody is called in Asterix in Britain. So it's it's sort of clever and joyous and 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 silly all at the same time, where they're pl- doing plays on words. But of course, plays on words quite often don't translate. So it was never a word for word translation. Instead, it's got something that still puts a smile on the face of a reader who's reading it in Italian or English or whatever. So that is a whole other level of incredibly clever contribution, if you like, to the Asterix brand. Obelix, sometimes heard it pronounced as Obelix. I'm always going to call him Obelix because it's a sort of play on the obelisk, the sort of stone structure. And he's always walking around with a minna, which is kind of, imagine one of the struts of Stonehenge. That's what he's walking around with. So if you like, there are actual references to Iron Age Celtic society. Now, for the record, Stonehenge isn't Celtic. It isn't it isn't from the Iron Age. It's actually from the Neolithic. So you now get in the modern world people conflating the two, particularly with something like Stonehenge, where you get these druids who are saying, you know, it's our it's our religious right to pray at these stones because they're part of our religion. No, druids, as in Getafix in Asterix, druids are the religious priests of the Celtic world. Now, because the Celts didn't write anything down, everything we know about the Druids is from the perspective of the Romans. Now, the Romans weren't against paganism because they themselves at that time were pagans, but they tended to denigrate any culture that wasn't Roman. For example, the word barbarian comes from Roman, and basically it means people who say bar. So to a Roman ear, if you're talking in Celtic Briton, then it just sounds like you're going ba 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 ba. It's just meaningless drivel. You need to be speaking Latin. And on that point, Asterix and Obelix does occasionally have little quotes in Latin, 
And yeah, they're still in Latin. You you have to, I mean, this is one of the things that forced me to sort of like look at, realize that there was this dead language that was so important to society. I'm talking about Gem being about nine, ten years old and suddenly learning about Latin and trying to get into the head of a like a ten-year-old boy that maybe you should have a look at some dead languages. Ten out of ten to Asterix. Indeed, I had several people say to me, online it's like asterix is the thing that got me into history which got me eventually into history podcast which got me into talking to you gem so thank you very much asterix for that so first one's out in 59 first english language one is out in 69 and i can tell you that they are still being produced regrettably uh goshini and Udazo are both uh now deceased now goshini actually died relatively early into the run he died in 1977, and so we actually know which Asterix comic book. Sadly, Goshini died while they were actually making it, and that is Asterix in Belgium. And it was Aaron who actually said, did you not spot the change in tone? And I actually went back and had a look at it. I still have a copy of it. Don't have all of them, but I have some of them. And he basically, what Aaron says is, once Goshini has died, you'll notice that everything is darker. It's rainy. There are storm clouds in the sky as a way of basically Udazo saying, you know, I've, I've lost my friend, partner, confidant, etc. And that is a beautiful touch to it. Really like that. Never noticed that about that. I didn't. I did remember that it was raining and I thought actually that might have been a joke about Belgian weather or something like that. So if we're going to talk about cliches in Belgium, everything's about food. Which, to be honest, from the French perspective, that's very generous of them. But uh, yeah, so the, so the Belgians are food obsessed. The Spaniards are a bit lazy and sort of do very half-hearted attempts at rebuilding roads. Uh, the British are tea obsessed. So you can see that everybody's kind of got a, a bit of a cliche, but it's nothing hopefully too damaging to, to, to the sensibilities of any of those nations. But yeah, so Goshini died in 1977, whereas uh, Udazo... Uh, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Lived till 2020. He actually died in 2020, so very recently. So does that mean that's the end of Asterix? Well, no, because Udazo actually retired about 10 years earlier than that uh, because he was getting old and on a bit. So actually, they're still producing it and they're still doing a brilliant job of replicating the artwork from the, not so much the originals, the very first one, Asterix the Ghoul, like almost any kind of pilot episodes. It's got all the component parts there, but it doesn't quite fit, and particularly with the actual drawing as well. It's a little bit scratchy compared to the more like luminous ones of the early era, like Asterix and the Secret Cauldron, or Asterix and Cleopatra, and those sorts of good ones. So, are they still making them? The answer is yes. In 2021, you got the 39th version of an Asterix story called Asterix and the Griffin. So we're now into mythology there as well. <laughs> But there was also a, a book which had some pictures in it, Asterix in the House of the Gods. So, I mean, there's been various different formats of it. And, of course, where there is a cartoon brand, there is going to be some animation at some point. And indeed, a number of the classics have actually been turned into animated movies. I've seen Asterix in Britain, which I think is actually just on YouTube. And I think also Asterix and Cleopatra is another one that I saw when I was a little kid. So they absolutely exist, and obviously the great thing about any kind of animation is you can replicate it with some dubs and it doesn't destroy everything. However, there has been some live-action versions as well. For example, Gérard Depardieu, very well-respected. Well, he used to be French, he's now, I believe, a, a Russian citizen. He kind of went off on the rails later on in his career, but early on he was kind of a sort of heartthrob and almost like Robert De Niro type for France. And yeah, he played Obelix. And if you're sitting there going, oh, fuck, I don't think that Robert De Niro would be playing Obelix. Yeah, that's an idea of how bad it is. So basically, the cartoons vary in quality, but any live action ones avoid like the plague. And of course, they're all in French, because why wouldn't they be in French? But the live action doesn't work quite as well when you're dubbing it. And I don't think, you know, I'll happily sit down and watch a quality movie like a, an Akira Kurosawa movie in its original Japanese with a subtitle. But watching an Asterix movie with subtitles is a bit like watching, I don't know, Iron Man with subtitles. It's like, it's not that kind of movie, really. It's, it, it's not worth the efforts, quite frankly. Anyway, I slightly digress there. Let me keep going. So we've got the original comic books. We've got animation. We've got live action movies. And Asterix, like any other sort of big brand, and I'm going to say Asterix is the most pop culture brand that France has ever existed. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I say, they, they create cars and, you know, they're well known in the fashion industry. But what other kind of, you know, there's no such thing as French fast food. There are things like French singers, but they are not like they've got the same cultural identity as, I don't know, Public Enemy or the Beatles or Iron Maiden 
or Metallica or whatever. You, you get the idea. The point is, yes, of course, France produces stuff. But I guess they're a little bit more serious, a little bit more highbrow than the Brits and the Americans. Like I say, let's go back to those philosophers, shall we? But yeah, Asterix is a brand like an Iron Man or a Batman or something like that. So it is unsurprising that you'll be able to find Asterix and Obelix on things like packets of crisps or chips, whatever you want to call them, and sort of kids' candy and, and all that kind of stuff as well, just like any other good random brand like Mario or Batman or what have you would do. You know, you're, you're definitely going to be buying your box of cereal with that friendly comic book face on it, and that's going to get the kids happy. And as a parent, just getting the kids happy is a win. We all know that. So there we go. But of course, the absolute icing on the cake for any of these things is you've got to have a theme park. And indeed, Asterix Park does exist in France. Where else was it going to be? And it was opened in 1989. And with the exception of COVID, it's been open ever since. It draws in just as large crowds of French people as Euro Disney does. Although Euro Disney tends to bring in more international people, and of course some of the stuff in Euro Disney is in English to please international audiences, whereas Asterix Park, it's C'est Francais. C'est le mot. <laughs> because we're not going to pander to those foreigners, God damn it! So yeah, I've never been. I've had a look at it online. It looks like it's got some fun rides on it, and it's, you know, it's doing the same thing as sort of Disney, but Disney does it better than anyone else on planet Earth. That's no disrespect to Asterix Park. You know, they do it better than Alton Towers in England, and etc. Hopefully, I have convinced you that Asterix is a global brand. It's a recognizable brand, and it's, it's you know, it living in the same area as some of these other cartoony type characters that are you're probably more familiar with. But of course, because it's set in a historical setting, we can glean some actual real history from it. So let me get into a little bit of history. And just before I do, as always, please click subscribe. Please tell a friend, tell one actual other human being, hey, I'm really enjoying this podcast. Maybe you should listen to Condensed Histories. That would be lovely. Thank you very much. Obviously, if you could give us a review on whatever podcast format you got it on, that helps other people find us. So just, you know, just click the five stars or give us like three lines of a review. Thank you very much. It all helps. On the flip side of that, I'm at Gem Deducho on Twitter. As I said, this actual episode was created by a group of people talking to me online. I do answer. I do talk to people. It's fun rather than me just talking into a microphone and hoping you're enjoying it. So talk to me on that. Keep your eyes out because I do sort of post what the next episode's going to be and give links to it and things like that. So yeah, thank you very much. Okay, history time. So we're in 50 BC, which makes complete sense and is why you're going to be allowed to have Julius Caesar there and Cleopatra. These are all people who absolutely existed at that time. It's interesting that the Roman legionary outfits are by and large pretty accurate. The design of Roman forts, absolutely spot on. So there's actually been some love, attention and effort put into this to make it a real living, breathing thing, shall we say. So all of that, 10 out of 10. But it's still a cartoon and comic. So it's not got everything right and wherever they need to change things they will change things one of the things i will give them 10 out of 10 for is there's a running gag about pirates there are these pirates and indeed this is one of the slightly controversial things because the first mate of the pirate ship um, is a black character one of the ones that's drawn in, in now an inappropriate way but the thing about it is 
the the pirates keep bumping into Asterix. So actually, I haven't told you what makes him a superhero. So I've mentioned this magic potion. And what this magic potion does is give him huge amounts of strength. So he can sort of run around and beat up Roman legionaries. This is for children. So the sword, while he has a sword, he is not cutting his way and hacking his way through Roman legionaries. That would not be very child-friendly. Whereas his best friend, Obelix, as a child, fell into the magic cauldron that's full of the magic potion. And so he is always super strong and always super hungry which is something else that makes children just like, we just enjoy eating. And so therefore seeing these people like gobble their, wee th- their way through like four boars, it's like, yeah, all kids want to do that kind of thing. Just as a sidebar, when I was in Disneyland in Florida with my family years ago, my youngest then was probably about seven. And we walked past this place that was selling entire turkey legs that had been smoked. And they smelt delicious and they looked amazing. But this thing was nearly the same size as his head. And his face just lit up. He went, Dad, can we have that for lunch? And my mother, his mother, my wife, was never going to say yes to that. So she and the other members of our group went off and get, got, a, got a salad in Disneyland. Well done on finding salads in Disneyland. But myself and my youngest son, we got one of those turkey legs. And he was just so happy chewing away through it. He only managed to do about half of it, but he felt victorious. And uh, it was almost like t- t- worth taking a photo because it looked like sort of Obelix or somebody like Henry VIII just sort of like devouring a massive turkey leg. Hilarious stuff. Anyway, so there's just this joy to Asterix. It's, it's never designed to make you cry. It's never really designed to... Stop everything while they educate you. If you get a little bit of a few facts in there in between the the comedy and the adventure, that's the goal. If you want to compare it in terms of tone, think of something like Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's taking you on an adventure. You'll have some laughs. You know, you'll fear for the lives of the of the hero, but you basically know they're going to come out on top by the end of it. That's what's going on in it, and it's so much fun. All right. However, I've mentioned the Celts of Britain. And I've mentioned Julius Caesar and Cleopatra. This is all accurate, but they got uh, one called Asterix and the Black Gold. This is to do with oil in the Middle East, uh, which is clever. And indeed, oil absolutely existed in the Middle East at that time. There are various examples of places, even as far afield as Azerbaijan was just seeping out the, the ground and people used it for like a, a basic type of fuel. Obviously, there were no engines in those days. Things like particularly good oil lamps uh, usage, something like that. And so he goes in, there's a joke at one point, he kind of gets lost in the desert, and he meets Assyrians, and he meets Babylonians, and Mesopotamians, and Hittites. And, and you know, the joke being kind of, there are all these different civilizations that were in the deserts for, for, for millennia. But of course, most of those never met each other. Most of those had long been extinguished by 50 BC. So it's all completely historically inaccurate in that situation. And, you know, they do it again. There's Asterix and the Normans. The Normans. The Normans are absolutely medieval. They were basically a going concern about 900 years later. You know, more like a thousand. Definitely, definitely not a thing at the time of... Well, for starters, the Normans were actually invading France. And then you've also got Asterix and the Goths. That's to do with things like the Goths and the Visigoths and the Astrogoths all invading at the end of the Roman Empire. Again, this is like 400, 450 years later than Asterix. So 
on the one hand, it can show you some things. It does some very good jobs of drawing things like, you know, a Roman villa in its prime and, and stuff like that. You know, Asterix the Gladiator, they generally get the armor right. They generally get the Colosseum looking good. But at the same time, when they go wildly off, you uh, you don't necessarily know when that is. I always remember, I can't even remember, I think it might be with Switzerland. By the way, there's a whole running gag of Switzerland that, uh, that they um, basically love fondue and the everyone gets covered in cheese and things like that so it's kind of weird that one but anyway it, i think it might be an asterisk in in switzerland i can't remember but there's just in the background there's kind of like a fun fair and look there were kind of market days both in the roman era and the medieval era where everyone got together and there'd be singing and dancing and trading obviously as well music etc um but in this one they've literally got a roman engineered roller coaster that's not a thing that definitely didn't happen but they don't put in any engines or anything like that it's like towed by things and it looks like it could almost work by roman standards but the romans never thought to create roller coasters and probably they didn't quite have the technology to do it and at the very least keep the the carts on the tracks okay that's very important you don't want the, the carts to come off but anyway it's that kind of fun that they have uh, w- with sort of almost all eras if you like, one of the sort of pivotal moments is I'm going to compare Asterix to to Star Trek. And you go, what? That position would not only be unavailing, but also undignified. Yeah, obviously Star Trek's set in the future, but the Starship Enterprise, the USS Enterprise that Captain Kirk was piloting in the 1960s, well, that was so influential that it was actually named after the military vessel the naval vessel it was an aircraft carrier called the enterprise so the idea is that there have been multiple different ships that have been named after the enterprise but one of the first space shuttles ended up being named the enterprise not in reference to the aircraft carrier but in reference to the tv program and it's the same thing only weirder i guess that the very first french satellite launched in 1965 was named asterix one so that that's that's pretty amazing that that you go from ancient Roman times to literally the space race, uh, all with Asterix. And like I say, if if you haven't ever read it, you can you can pick up a few of them. Uh, there's also the omnibus books, which are pretty good value for money. You get like three or four versions of the stories. I mean, complete versions of the stories, I should say, but all in under one binding, and they're good. But if you just want to grab like one to give it a go. I would say something like Asterix and Cleopatra, Asterix the Gladiator, Asterix and Belgium, if you want to have that sort of like slightly quiet touching moment, shall we say. Those are perhaps some of the the more classics. Interestingly, one of the more recent ones, again, sort of like after Udizo had retired, was Asterix and the Picts. And the Picts were the sort of inhabitants of Scotland at the time of asterisk so they kind of got that right but that's a sort of a group that has been completely forgotten about in history i guess they're almost as obscure as the hittites really and for the record the scottish people of today the word scotland comes from scotty which were the irish raiders that came into caledonia and conquered and started interbreeding and basically pushed to the sidelines the picts so the picts aren't scots the same way the britons aren't English, because those were Angles, Jutes, and Saxons coming over from from the mainland. So, just on that point, in terms of different areas, going back to Gaul. So, Gaul was eventually conquered by the Franks, which is where we get the word France from. 
Where did the Franks come from? They came from modern-day Germany. Okay, so the Germany was taken over by the Alans and the Goths and the Visigoths. Where did they come from? They came from sort of Central Asia. So the Germans are Asian, the French are Germans, and the English are Germans. So, <laughs> and oh yeah, the Scottish are Irish. So yeah, everywhere isn't quite as nationalistic as they should be. And if you like, Asterix echoes that, but it absolutely leans hard into the sort of the national cultural identities of these things. It is joyous. Give it a go if you haven't read it. Like I say, it's it's aimed for a younger audience. I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, there's this amazing subtext that's all about sort of like human rights or anything like that. No. But in these sort of dark days, if you want to put a smile on your face, maybe just check it out. Or indeed go onto YouTube and watch something like Asterix and Britain. That's that's a good one to both read and watch. And I presume it got an English dub on YouTube. So there we go. Hope you enjoyed Asterix. But I have no idea what the next episode is going to be. Is it going to be as fun as this one? Don't know. Maybe it's a bit more serious. But this episode has definitely put a smile on my face. And I hope it will for you too. Thanks very much. And as always, another episode coming soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.